So last week we started a series on anxiety and stress that we'll continue talking about tonight and next week, and we're not talking about how awesome that is, we're going to be talking about how to back away from those kinds of things, right, and how to biblically understand uh, how those who have chosen to follow Jesus should respond in moments that for most people would stress us, stress us out to the max or cause us to be anxious and all of these things. The prevailing thought I want you to understand tonight, okay, so if you just stop listening, which you shouldn't do, or if you, for whatever reason, don't pay attention, right? This is what I want you to understand from tonight, okay? Jesus leads us on the path of rest and righteousness, okay? Let me say it again. Jesus leads us on the path of rest and righteousness. We're going to be in Psalm 23. This is a super famous one. If this is your, even if this is your first time in church, you've probably heard some words at least from this particular psalm. It's really famous. Psalm 23, if you want to turn there. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to see one, uh, use one. There's some in the windowsills around, or if you have a Bible app, that's fine too. So Psalm 23. This is a psalm of David, and of anyone to know what it's like to have stress and anxiety, David's probably understands a whole lot, right? He's, he was king of Israel, went through a lot of wars and things like that, but also himself had to deal with a lot of uh, depression and moments of bad choices and consequences for those things, right? Like he experienced the fullness of the human experience, right? Uh, and so he understands stress and anxiety for sure. But this is what he had to say right here in Psalm 23 that, that I want us to learn from tonight. Okay, here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and he, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let's jump back to the top and see. So the Lord is my shepherd. I don't know if you know this, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard like a hundred preachers talk about this, right? But sheep are really dumb. Sheep are really dumb. I have a picture of an example uh, up here. Yep. <laughs> sheep uh, are really dumb creatures. See, like the thing about sheep is, yeah, I get that they're domesticated, but even like dogs and cats, even though at least the dog I have is domesticated, he still has like some base instincts of like a hunter or uh, not like Hunter Smith, but like a, like a dog in the wild that would hunt, right? Uh, but he has some basic instincts that you can see, even though he's domesticated, you can see like, okay, if he really had to, he probably could survive in the wild and those kind of things. Sheep no instinct that would show that they would survive at all. Without any sort of like shepherd or guidance, they literally like walk off of cliffs, find themselves in like wolf-ridden woods and all kinds of like crazy territory. Like they, it's like all the time a sheep is just trying to find ways that it can die and the shepherd's just trying to keep it from doing that. Like the, the sheep, they just don't have a mind for whatever reason that understands. I, here's what actually happens. Sheep get just focused on grass. Oh, this is good grass. Oh, look, this is good grass. Oh, look, there's some more good grass. Oh, even some more good grass. All right, and here's some more, right? And they just keep going and going and going, and they don't look up and are aware of their surroundings at all. And before they know it, they're like, oh, no, I'm on the edge of a cliff. What do I do? There's some water down there, right? Like, they just, they don't think, like, oh, I should stop, right? In a lot of ways, this is what we do in life as humans. In a lot of ways, why all over the Bible, it talks about God being a shepherd and us being sheep, 
right? And so in, what, in some ways, the Bible is just calling us really dumb, right? <laughs> but what it's talking about is that we need a shepherd because here's what happens, right? You get focused on what you're doing. You get focused on the things that you like. You get focused on the people in your life that, that bring you joy and all the things, whatever you want, things. It start, starts off good. You take one step, another step. You're still focused on that thing, another step, and another step, another step. And then all of a sudden you look up. You're really far from God. You're in a space that you never thought you would be in, right? You, I mean, have you, I, don't, I don't know. This is not like, this is rhetorical, right? I think all of us have woken up at some point and went, what is my life right now? And if you look back and follow the st- trace of steps back, it wasn't just like one day you were just like, all right, I'm going to do all this crazy stuff now, right? That's not how that goes. It's one step at a time, slowly, not listening to the shepherd, not paying attention to the voice of God. One of the things we talked about last week was getting to a place where Jesus can be the loudest voice in your head because whenever the world and the things of this world are the loudest voices in your head, those are the things that you follow. And then we wonder why we get in the spots that we get in because we're following things that are not meant to really lead us, not really meant to be good shepherds. But God is the perfect and holy good shepherd. You see, the big difference between us and sheep is that sheep know and listen to the voice of the shepherd. Most of the time when a sheep finds itself off is whenever like the shepherd has fallen asleep or he's gone to take care of some other kind of uh, chore or something like that, and then the sheep has just wandered off. It's not one of these where like the shepherd's like, hey sheep, or whatever they say, they all have different calls or whatever, right? Like they do the call and and the sheep's just like, no, I'm good, right? And just keeps walking. That's not what happens, right? They know and listen to the voice of their shepherd. Here's where we're different. (laughs) because of the sin and pride in all of us. There are really kind of two main reasons why we often don't listen to God's voice. The first is you just may not know his voice. Maybe you're in the room and you're not a Christian, and so you don't have a relationship with God, and so you wouldn't know his voice. For those of you who have chosen to follow Jesus, maybe you've just not spent enough time with the shepherd to know his voice. And I'm not talking about like, this isn't like a mystical thing where God's like audibly speaking. That'd be cool if he did, but there's only a few times that he actually does that in all, in all of history and he can do it again if he wants to. But like in my life, I've never heard it. I would probably pee my pants, right? Like that's just how that goes. Everybody who hears the voice of God pees their pants, right? That's the subtext in the Bible, but like that that doesn't actually say that, but they all like are terrified because the first thing that God and angels have to say when they show up is like, don't be afraid, right? Like God shows up is like, he says, he speaks. And the first thing he says is like Moses and Moses is like, right? And he's like, don't be afraid. It's okay, right? So I just I just assume that the actual audible voice of God is terrifying. Um, so I'm good with that. What I'm talking about, when you choose to follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit is that shepherd that is leading us, guiding us, and teaching us. But we often don't spend enough time in the Word or in prayer. We don't spend enough time with Jesus to, under, to, he, to, to know what the voice of the Holy Spirit is. Is the other one is that we're just too selfish to listen. Like I, I personally, in my t- in times of my life, I have either um, just said I can do this on my own, like I don't need your help, right? Like I've got this, right? I probably did. I probably wouldn't say that, like to God. I wouldn't like just actually like, all right, Jesus, I don't need your help right now. But my actions and the way I live my life is just basically saying like, I don't need your help. 
right? It's like a sheep. The shepherd's like, hey, don't go over there. There's a wolf. He's like, I'm good. I can take this wolf, right? And you're like, come on, bro, right? That's not, that's not going to work, right? But we do that. The other one, and probably the main one, uh, is often we ask the question, why would God keep me from something that I really want? Often, a lot of the reasons we wander from God and ignore, honestly, his voice is that we kind of ask that question. Why would God keep me from something that I really want? So let's continue, and we'll see here. All right, so let's read on. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's key, right? I shall not want. We talked last week about storing up our treasures in heaven and not here on earth because everything on earth fades, everything on earth breaks, right, and all those kinds of things. And so we're not wanting the things of this earth when we're truly following the shepherd, we're truly following Jesus. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is where it gets really, really cool, okay? He leads me beside still waters. Literally translated the Hebrew means waters of rest, right? He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his names, for his name's sake. So where is it that God leads us? God leads us to still waters and paths of righteousness. He leads us to rest and righteousness, There are these, in our soul, we need rest. And we forget that a lot. I have recently tried to figure out what that looks like and have been trying to put into practice a lot of things that would help me rest. So I think a lot of times that we're all stressed out and anxious and exhausted all the time, physically and emotionally, is because at the base level in our soul, spiritually, we're all exhausted because we're not being filled by Jesus. We're not being filled by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So Jesus leads us down paths of rest and righteousness. What he doesn't do is make things easy for us. Like over in the New Testament, Jesus says this phrase that often gets taken uh, way out of context in a lot of ways, right? He he tells the disciples, he's teaching in this moment, and he says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, in case you don't know, like mustard seeds are like super tiny, okay? If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could, you could tell that mountain to move and it would. This is what he says to the disciples, okay? And so we, we look at that and we're like, okay, well, there is no time in, like there are time, there's times in history that God has like parted water for people to walk across dry land and all this, he's done all these kind of things, but I don't know of any stories where God has literally picked up and moved a mountain, right? God can do that. I'm not saying he can't, but what I'm saying is like, there, this, is, this was Jesus speaking metaphorically, like just a little bit of faith is really powerful. Imagine what even more faith is like. That's the point he's trying to get in there, but we, we sing about and, and we uh, really harp on this like, man, God is a mountain mover and he moves the mountains and that kind of stuff. And what, what that we often understand that to mean is whenever there's big problems in my life, God moves them out of the way. No, that's not... That's not what God does. God can. Like, the, God can do anything. God can poof away your problems if he wants to, right? But this is, that's not how this works. This isn't like, Jesus, I didn't study for this test. Please help me pass this test. And he's like, poof, and then you pass the test. That's just not how life works. I wish, because I would have been way better in school if that were the case. But that's, <laughs> I should have just studied better. That was the thing, right? See, again, God is incredible, and he is powerful, and he can do all things, 
But God is not, is not going to just remove all the big problems in your life. What I see in this right here, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You see, when I, whenever I read that and I picture Jesus, I picture Jesus kind of a lot like this. I've got a picture here. Maybe. So this is a Sherpa in the, mountain, in the Himalayan mountains in Nepal. Right? Sherpa is actually a people group, but they're most known, uh, they're most famous for being these incredible guides through the mountains of, of the Himalayas, which are just massive mountains, like twice as tall as any mountain we have in the United States. Just crazy, crazy tall. Like I actually got to go to Nepal a couple of years ago, and I, I couldn't understand how much taller the mountains were until I saw them. And you're like looking out, like as we're driving up, you just like look higher and higher and higher and higher. Like it's just astounding how the altitude that the mountains are. But these people have lived for centuries in these mountains and know the pathways through and know the terrain. And so no matter the skill level of a mountaineer, they hire these Sherpas to guide them through because of their incredible ability and their incredible knowledge and experience of knowing the paths to go. Now he knows that this is the right path to go, but that still looks like a pretty hard path to me. What about you? Anybody? Think, think you guys could walk up that pretty easily? You can just be like, do, 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 right? Like, it's still a really hard path. That might be the easiest path. That doesn't make it an easy path. Does that make sense? Right? And so what's incredible about this and what, why I see Jesus like this is because what D uh, David is saying is that even when times are hard, Jesus is with me. No matter what's going on in my life, good or bad, God is there, guiding us through. Because what's more incredible than, than God just poofing away your problems is the fact that he actually wants to lead you through that and lead you toward paths of rest and righteousness. Because he could just be an all-powerful God that stays distant and just goes, oh, you have a problem? Okay, boom. And then doesn't really care other than just do that. But he cares enough about you to actually be with you, to actually be your Sherpa guide through life, through the valley, on the way to the mountaintop. Does that make sense? Does that settle in at all that the God of the universe <laughs> is with you in the moments of stress, in the moments of anxiety, when everything is just flooded in and everything feels overwhelming? The Holy Spirit's saying, I'm here. I'm here for you. I find that to be an incredible thought, an incredible picture of who Jesus is and how much he loves us and cares for us. What we need to understand is that instead of trying to make our own way or instead of thinking, man, why do you just go, why does God want to keep me from the things I want to do? That's the wrong way of thinking. We're thinking about things the wrong way. So you got to understand is that the, the all-knowing, the incredibly perfectly good and merciful God sees things bigger in a, from the bigger picture than you and I do. And he's going to see what the path that's actually going to lead you to rest and righteousness. Where all the things in this world that are buying for your attention and my attention, ultimately, every one of them, lead to brokenness, lead to emptiness, lead to stress and anxiety, loneliness and depression. 
Everything on this earth that is buying for your attention ultimately ends there. And Jesus is standing there saying, look, I know a better way. I know a better way that leads to a life filled with rest and righteousness. Not a life filled with stress and, cra- stress and craziness and anxiety and all of these sorts of things. So you want to you know the number one thing that steals our rest and joy in life? In one word, it's hurry. Right? We're all hurried. We're all in a hurry to do all the things. We have like a million things we've got to do every day, every day and we've got to get them all done. And your mom has like a hundred things that you're supposed to get done today and all the things. And, and everybody's all freaking out about doing all these things. I know the biggest pushback that I get from people when, they, when I'm in conversation, they're like, man, my, my, my uh, spiritual relationship with Jesus is just not good right now. Uh, or I, I can't really seem to you know, really study the Bible and do all these things. The biggest thing that everybody says is I'm just so busy. Just so busy, I can't fit Jesus in. They wouldn't say that, but that's ultimately what we say. And I, I'm I'm guilty of this. I, the, I am the chief of sinners, as Paul would say, on on this thing of just being so busy. And see what happens is we'll we'll hear a message like this, and we'll we'll have like a thousand and one things to do, and we'll and what we'll do is we'll feel convicted and say, oh, you're right, we need more, I need more Jesus in my life. And so then we'll take our already busy schedule and we'll try to just cram Jesus in there somewhere. What I would challenge you with is this. What if we actually looked at our schedules, looked at our calendars, and put Jesus on the calendar first, and then let everything else fight for our attention? Right? What if we put Jesus on the calendar first and let everything else be crammed in? Like, I get that school has a set schedule and you have to go to school. I'm not telling you to quit school. Please don't quit school. Right? And all these things. But the reality is, is if you look at your entire day, school is not your entire day. There's a whole lot of other things that have a whole lot of flexibility. And I'm not, I'm not telling you that you need to like go and like quit everything in life, like you have to quit soccer and quit all the things or whatever. But I'll tell you this. Because, like, a lot of times, if you're playing a sport or you're in some sort of academic club or whatever, the call as a Christian is to be the light of Jesus in those places. But the reality is, is if you don't have time for Jesus in your schedule, then you can't actually be li- the light of Jesus in those places because Jesus is not the one leading you through your day. So sometimes, the best thing you can do, not sometimes, all the time, the best thing that we can do is to figure out how to put Jesus as the priority of our schedule and then let everything else try to fall in place. It's for me, and I'm not, I'm not perfect at this. I'm, I've been trying really hard over the last few months. For me, what I've had to do is start waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't do this perfectly. I didn't do that this morning, right? But I am trying with more consistently consistency to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, spend time with the Lord. Instead of just a quick, like, 10-minute thing that I had before that I called the quiet time, I now get to spend an hour in the morning studying Scripture in prayer when I don't fall asleep between... Um, just honesty, right? And all these things. I, I get an hour now at the beginning of my day that fills me up. And I thought at first what was going to happen is come like nine o'clock because I'm old. Nine o'clock uh, at night, I would, I would be like completely dead tired, exhausted because now I'm waking up like two, three hours before I was before and all that kind of thing. But what I have found is that when I start my day, even as early as that is, 
spending that much time with Jesus, my soul is filled up. Mentally, I'm filled up. And somehow that overflows into being physically filled up too. My mind is in the right place. My heart is in the right place. The days still have moments of stress and they still have things that I've got to get done and all the things. But my levels of anxiety and my levels of stress have come down because Jesus is on the forefront of my mind. Jesus is the first thing I'm thinking about, not an afterthought that I've crammed in two minutes here, five minutes there. Jesus has got the priority. This is not to make me the hero. I'm just telling you what, where I'm at. And again, I'm not perfect at this. And so for all of you, adults and students, we've got to figure out how to make Jesus the priority. Because at the end of, you guys don't think this way. You will the older you get, right? These kinds of things. But when everything is all said and done, at the end of your life, at the end of my life, I would have rather spent so much time with Jesus that I didn't have time for a lot of other things in this world than to have all the time I needed for all the things in this world and barely know Jesus. That's, that's, that's where I've been as I've studied this and, and, and just began to really see what the Spirit would lead for us as we deal with the stress and anxiety of this world and all the things that try to weigh in on us and push in on us. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot to dealing with stressors and dealing with anxiety and dealing with things that bring this stuff in, but there is no greater fix than at least starting with Jesus and then seeking help from there and working your way out from there. Sometimes counseling is needed and there's all, there's all kinds of other things that are, that are needed if you have high levels of anxiety and depression and those kinds of things, but Jesus has always got to be a part of the solution. The problem is, is we often live our life at the speed of NASCAR instead of the speed of walking, right? We try to live our life. We're taught in society to go, to go fast, to live hard, to do all the things and do as many things you can, achieve all the things, to have the highest like 6.7 million GPA you can have because 4.0 doesn't matter anymore and all the things. And you've got to like do all, score all the crazy high scores on the, the standardized tests, which are silly and stupid. And you have to do all these things. We have to achieve all these things. And we're all going 200 miles an hour and we wonder why we're stressed out. If you look at the life of Jesus, I get that there was no NASCAR in the days of Jesus. I get that there were no cars or anything, but there were horses and there were uh, chariots and things like that. There were ways for him to get around that were faster than walking. But Jesus walked everywhere. The God of the universe who is in charge of everything in the universe happening and existing and being taken care of, walked from place to place. I'm not saying you should walk in today, but what I'm saying is like, we need to learn to slow down in life. If you can figure this out where you're at in life now, the better your life's going to be as you get older and things are trying to be even busier and crazier for you and all these things. We've got to learn to slow down. I got a few questions for us to kind of ponder uh, and think through in relation to this, okay? As you think about your life and all the things of who you want to be and how you want to live your life, is it okay if you don't get the 4.0? 
or the 5.0 or whatever grade it is now? Is it okay if you don't have the highest possible grade you could possibly ever have in a class? I get that it, that could have an effect on scholarships and all the things, but what I'm saying is, is that doesn't ultimately matter and you and your mom immediately are like, oh, that matters, right? But if Jesus is ultimately the one in charge and you are given Jesus the priority of your life and he's the loudest voice in your world, do you not think he knows what you're capable of academically? Do you not think he cares what college you go to? Maybe instead of the college you've dreamed of going to since you were in third grade, which is silly if you dream of going to a college in third grade, um, maybe instead of going to the college you've dreamed of going to in third grade, God has a different place for you to be to be more salt and light in than that place. See, if God is the one ultimately in charge, it's okay to make good grades. It's okay to make high on tests and all those kinds of things. What I'm saying is when those things cause us to fall apart and to be anxious and depressed, they have been misplaced in the priority list. Jesus wants us to do well in life, but not at the expense of relationship with him and being loving and patient and kind to the people around us, right? So is it okay for you to not have the highest grade possible? Is it okay if you aren't the president of the United States of America? I'm okay if most of you aren't the president of the United States of America. But what I mean is, like, we're taught, at least, I don't even know if they say this in school all that much anymore, but when I was in school, the thing was, you could be anything. You could even be the president of the United States, right? And all that kind of thing. And, and like, this is a noble thought, and you can. Like, it's just like, if, any, if you try hard enough, and you work hard enough, and focus hard enough, you can be anything you want to be. Yeah, that may be true. But are you being what God has called you to be? So we're letting Jesus be the loudest voice in our head. Maybe instead of being an engineer that makes like a million dollars a year and is like gets to send things to Mars and all the things, it's all cool. But if that's not what God has ultimately called you to do, it will leave you feeling empty and your life feeling pointless. Maybe God's called you to be a missionary. Maybe God's called you to be a pastor. Maybe God's called you to do any other number of things. It doesn't have to always be what you thought you were going to be when you're in third grade. What? Third grade was apparently was an important year, but... Um, it doesn't have to be all those things. If you're listening to the voice of God, all of that stuff comes. It doesn't mean that we don't work and try, but the priority is listening to Jesus and then following from there, where he's gifted us, where he is leading us to go. David is giving us some clues on how to lower our stress and anxiety. We have to learn to slow down, learn to hear and follow the voice of God through the valley to the mountaintops. Let's take a second, everybody. Uh, close your eyes. Don't take a nap. Let's close our eyes, not messing around with people around us, that kind of thing, just focusing in on what I have to say at this point because I want us to take and just spend a moment truly reflecting on this, okay? Because I think we often just miss these things and we fly past all this and we're like, okay, JJ said some, some cool things, said some things that made me feel guilty about stuff and all that. maybe I need to change or whatever. But I just want us to take a second and focus, Okay. What in your schedule can be reprioritized so that you have Jesus in an intentional spot in your life in which you can hear his voice, you can spend time with him? Some of the other practical things we can do while we're spending time with Jesus, of course, is reading the Bible, praying. And here's one that we often don't do breathe, right? Like you do breathe, but we don't, 
Like I'm talking like some intentional breathing. Let's do let's do this right now. This might feel silly at first, but this is this has been really helpful for me. And it sounds really basic and simple, but just all together we're gonna, we're gonna breathe in real slow, and then breathe out. Ready? Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. <laughs> There's that. It's a couple more times. Breathe in real deep. Breathe out real slow. One more time. Breathe out. You just feel even just a little bit like some of the weight and the stress and anxiety you brought into this room is maybe shed just a little bit. God has given us this ability to be able to just take a second and breathe. When everything is just moving so fast and chaotic around us and the world around us, it's okay if you just stop and breathe slow. Let oxygen fill your lungs, carry through your body. This is biology, really. Slow your heart rate down and allow you to settle down and calm down. See, if you're a Christian in the room, and you want to have less stress and less anxiety in your life. I'm not saying there won't ever be stress and there won't ever be anxiety, but if you want less of that, you have to prioritize Jesus. Spend time in the Word, spend time praying, spend time breathing and just listening for the Holy Spirit. And some of you in the room right now, you're not a follower of Jesus. You've not, maybe you don't even know what that means, but you've not chosen to follow Jesus. You've not chosen to make Him Lord of your life. What I want you to hear is that nothing in the universe will lower your stress and anxiety better than Jesus. Nothing in the universe intentionally is wanting to lead you toward paths of rest and righteousness, but Jesus is. Jesus genuinely wants to help you live a life that isn't filled with shame and regret and brokenness. So right now, if you're not a Christian and you want to know Jesus, I want, what I want you to know is that Jesus died for you taking on all of your brokenness right where you are, what you have, all of your sin. He's taken all that on and died on the cross for you. And then he rose from the dead, conquering death for you. And all you have to do is place your faith in him, believing in that death, burial, and resurrection, and committing to live your life for him. If you're in a place that you're ready to do that, or if you just have questions and want to have a conversation about that, I'm, I'm going to be hanging out here in just a second when we dismiss the small groups. You can come talk to me. Any adult leaders in the room, you can pull them aside at any point and just start the conversation with, can we talk? And then we'll take it from there. If you're at a place where you have questions or if you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, tonight is the night to do that. Let me pray. We'll have some announcements and go into small group. Father, I thank you that you are the good shepherd. You're the one that if we're listening will guide us through the valley of the shadow of death when we think everything is broken and wrong. You lead us toward paths of rest and righteousness. Thank you. Thank you for that. Help us figure out what it means and how to make you the priority of our life and not all the things that try so desperately to buy for our attention. In Christ, I pray. Amen.